Sharks aren't supposed to cry Or so the saying goes If tears fell from a shark eye How would you ever know? Welcome everybody to True Exaggerate Shark Week, continuing here, our special guest, um, marine biologist, founder of Sharks for Kids, which we will get into, which is really cool, uh, Jillian Morris, how are you this morning? I'm great, thank you so much for having me. No, really cool, I know like, especially this time of year, all you all you shark experts are really busy, so just for you to take a little time out, is I really appreciate it. Um, before we get into, I have some shark questions for you, I want to get into Sharks for Kids, just tell us about yourself, how you got into marine biology, how you, you know, chose sharks to pick a career in. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Maine, um, but was lucky to go to the ocean a lot, I had parents that really loved uh, the water, so I uh, grew up on a lake, so learned to swim pretty early, and had a mask, and Um, and then spent a lot of time at the ocean kind of crawling through tide pools and exploring and just loved all marine life. So told my parents when I was five, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And I think they probably thought, okay, it'll be something else next week and and something else. And uh, I think to their surprise, it it didn't change. Um, And so, yeah, so it was just kind of a lifelong journey. And I was lucky enough to swim with a shark uh, when I was eight years old, <laughs> um, snorkeling in Florida, it was a little nurse shark. Um, and, uh, cause we used to go to Florida for my dad's work every year. And so I saw this little nurse shark and immediately went home, got books, like what was at the library? What can I find out? And I also had a national geographic book that my mom had gotten at a yard sale and it had Sylvia Earle in it. And I was like, blown away at this is a woman who's exploring the ocean. I'd never met anybody. I didn't, I'd never seen anybody doing it. And I'd certainly never seen a woman doing it. Um, any, any kind of animal programs we'd had at school growing up were always men that brought, we had owls or frogs or something come in. But uh, so I was just absolutely amazed by her. And so then kind of wanted to learn more about what she was doing. And, and uh, yeah, so then um I loved sharks, wanted to learn more. And then the older I got, when I started to have opportunities um, at university to actually pursue finally what I, what I wanted to focus on, uh, I got to do quite a few shark internships. And it really just um, solidified that I wanted to work with this animal, particularly because when I would tell people, oh, I, I, you know, I swam with sharks or I was tagging sharks, and their immediate reaction was, are you crazy? Yeah, what, that, what, that would be mine. Yeah, like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, but my experience is they're amazing. They're beautiful. They're powerful. They're incredible. Uh, And I realized very quickly that my experience versus what I was being told and taught and what other people were saying were very, very different. So, okay, so I want to learn more about these animals, but then I want to share this with other people. And that's sort of how, um, you know, it's evolved over time of working with sharks and then ultimately sharing their story and sort of being a voice for these animals. That's, that's real cool. And it's amazing how, you know, a book at a yard sale, like changed your life. Like something, <laughs> somebody, someone else's trash, essentially, is the reason you picked up and you're doing these amazing things. I mean, I've never gotten anything good at a yard sale. Like, <laughs> and it, was, <laughs> it was probably like 50 cents or something. Who knows? And, and uh, yeah, and uh, mom grabbed a bunch of ocean books and, and uh, yeah. That's wild because that person doesn't realize like the the effect it caused. 
they probably just put it outside and have no idea that that led to like all this marine biology. Yeah. That's just a wild, yeah. wild thing. Yeah, I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, somebody and and uh, I don't know. I grew up in a really small town in Maine, and I don't even remember where like the yard sale was, but it wasn't like a very far away. So. Uh, yeah, somebody in a in a very small town in Maine had that book, and uh, yeah, doesn't realize maybe what. Life. But yeah. you mentioned other people's stories versus yours, and I do want to touch on that. We had a bunch of other experts on, but one thing we never really touched on is like, where do you think this stigma comes from that sharks are these evil creatures? Is it the movies? Is it like because obviously everyone refers to Jaws, Deep Blue Sea, the attacks from Atlantic City in like nineteen nineteen or whatever, but like. What, where's where's it come from? Like, do you think it's just a money making machine? The more we make the fear, the like more it is for movies and books. I think human nature. We're afraid of things we don't understand. Um, we've also, as humans, have evolved over time, been afraid of bigger animals because either you know we needed to get away from them, um, and and I think the ocean is just a really big place and. We know so little about it. And then you have these animals that live there. Uh, and so I think that in itself, the fear of the unknown. And then, yes, they can be large. Yes, they have teeth, which sort of fear, feeds into that monster mentality. And then you have a big animal that has teeth that people don't know a lot about when they start making these movies. Um, and people like to be like scared. Think of how many people go on haunted house rides, watch scary movies. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a bit of human nature. And they kind of feed into that. And I think that it's not the sci-fi, like unrealistic stuff that's scary. It's the fact that when movies make aspects of them very real, like people go diving, they go cage diving. Um, there, you know, there are sharks found in certain areas. And I think when they play on the very realistic aspects, the things that are true, that could be, could happen and people do. Um, and then you kind of make something scary or unrealistic around that. Um, you know, people start to, it, it plays with their head. Um, and, and so I think it kind of is a combination of there's a natural fear and then the media has played on that to exactly to drive sales, to draw people in. And I mean, with Jaws, people wouldn't even go in swimming pools, right. which is crazy that it had that much of an impact. And the logic went out the window. Like there are no sharks in swimming pools, right. but people just. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, the audience wants it. So it's produced. It's kind of like which came first, right? That it's it's the audience wants it, so it's produced, and they produce it. You know, it's kind of like back and forth. So uh, it's hard to say, but um, you know, it's it continues, and we're doing much better now. Uh, there's a lot more positive information and the you know truth and facts about sharks out there, but there's still these movies that come out that make millions of dollars and millions of people go see. So. Right. You said that we're scared of things we don't understand. That's why I hate math and it frightens me. <laughs> I just have to let you know that. Like I see I see an algebraic equation and yeah. I'm, I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. yeah I get you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss that. Uh, you know, I still do a little bit with it when I'm in you know, in research and it is important for this field, but I get it. Like it's, and that's a real thing is like, there's a lot of things that, that scare people. Um, and, and so it's just, yeah, the unknown or we can't explain it. Why it is, why is X what it is? And, right. um, yeah. So what's the most common misconception about sharks? Like 
uh, that they're after us or like, what do you want to clear up if you could clear up one thing to like humans that are so fearful of them? I think, yeah, they're not man-eating monsters. They don't patrol the beaches looking for humans. Uh, yes, they're wild animals. Yes, they deserve our respect every moment we're in the water or we're working with them. Um, you know, they're not pets. They don't need to, you, you shouldn't be snuggling them and holding them. And, and uh, I don't believe there's a need to underwater touch sharks, ride them, wrestle them, wrangle them, whatever. I don't, I think that's just, I don't think that's good conservation messaging. Um, and so I think respecting that they're wild animals, but they are not just these mindless eating machines. They're intelligent, they're social, they can learn. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, and we hear about all these attacks and bites and all these things, and it's, it's actually extremely rare. Right. Um, on average, about five people die from shark bites in the world each year. Five, not hundreds, not thousands, but everybody's got a camera phone. It's news articles. It's 40 times. It's, you know, one bite happens and it's everywhere. So it looks like it's a hundred bites and people don't step back and go, wait a minute. Well, why did this happen? What was the person doing? What was the situation? Was there something that could have been changed? Um, There obviously fatalities are extremely um, sad. It's very unfortunate, um, but they are really, really rare. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it goes with anything going on in the world now. I mean, the, with the camera phones, it's like you never know exactly what's going on. So you kind of just have to get the whole truth before you jump to conclusions because that person could have been in there taunting a shark. And then all I mean, of a sudden they get eaten and you're like, oh, the shark's the jerk. But no, if you're in their domain, what do you want them to do? I look at that too with camping, like a bear. You're in his woods. Yeah. Like, stay, like, stop taunting the bear like what do you think's gonna happen but um what 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 would happen if we did lose sharks like how much of the chain uh like a food chain or uh i don't want to say like um I, I can't get the term out but like how much would it affect the environment what exactly would happen do you know well i think the scary thing is we don't know okay. so um you hear statements that if there's no sharks there's the end of the ocean we don't we don't actually know we know in areas where sharks have been overfished and removed it is impacting the system we're seeing less fish we're seeing coral reefs start to die the ecosystem is struggling um so we know that they play a critical role Uh, many of them are apex predators um but no matter where they are in the food chain they're playing a role by eating other animals so they're you know think of them like the managers sort of making sure everybody's doing their job uh and we know in areas where that has been affected we do see a negative impact but the scary thing is we don't actually know what would happen and to me that in itself is why we need to do things to protect them. Um, we need to take better care of our oceans anyway, regardless. That's a, right. that's a whole other issue. Um, but sharks are part of that. And, and healthy systems uh, you know, around the world are benefiting from these animals being alive. And so it's, um, I think the really, really scary thing is we don't know the answer to that. Um, and I, I don't think we should find out. Like, why, why risk that? And, uh, and we don't know how long it would take or any, I mean, we just, we just don't know. Um, and I think to me, that's the real problem. And the real issue is that, that why we want to make sure that we're doing things to protect these animals. All right, cool. Now you growing up in Maine, I'm from New Jersey. So we're on the Northeast. So like we see the oceans here 
especially in New Jersey. They're very dark. And if you can't see past, you know, five feet in. Now you go to Aruba, Bahamas, wherever those nice places are in your background, and you could see like miles out. So like, does that have any effect, the dirtiness of the waters on how the sharks could come up or how, how much their ecosystem is in those particular waters? Well, I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, so Clarity, um, like I'm based in the Bahamas. So these are all, yeah, we're, we're very lucky. We probably have some of the most beautiful water in the world and lots of sharks uh, and makes taking photos and videos uh, very easy. But yeah, I think um, when you have situations where the water is murky, sharks do have excellent vision. It's not a problem for them. Um, but if their food, I think what's happening is that their food is moving into shore and that is changing. We're having a lot of impact on the ocean that a lot of people don't realize. So our actions might cause that a certain food fish moves closer to shore because it's looking for food or the temperature has changed or, you know, they're migrating earlier or later and it happens to, um, coincide when it's the short summer season in the Northeast that, you know, people are at the beach and it's not freezing. Um, and so then if you have animals moving in that area, you have people splashing around, people are fishing on the beach, uh, there's chum in the water because the guys are fishing or, and, and there's bait and things like that, then you're going to see larger predators of all different types in the ocean moving closer to shore. It's not just sharks. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, you know, those, it's not that murky water is attracting them. It just happens to be that the food is going in there and, and certain areas, but their sensory systems are excellent. So it's not like they're going, Ooh, I'd prefer the Bahamas. <laughs> the water's better. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and there is a, you know, there's a healthy population of lots of different sharks in the Northeast. I think sometimes people think that there are no sharks out there. I mean, from Maine, I have plenty of friends that say, oh my, we don't have sharks. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and chances are, I mean, if you've ever been in the ocean, there's been sharks. Um, and they're, they're not, you know, you, they don't look at you and go, oh, that's food. Um, again, it just kind of goes back to bites are super rare and like you said about the bear, we, we choose to go in their environment. We choose to go in their house and we have to realize that when we go in, we're so lucky to surf, swim, scuba dive, everything we do in the ocean. Um, we're so lucky that we can spend time in that habitat, but it's not ours. Right. It's not our place. As far as like uh, traveling and studying sharks, um, is there like an untapped area that you're finding more sharks that you never knew about? Is that is there is there anywhere like in the world a country that like you're you're starting to study you're starting to see and like people are going out there to to visit more to study them? Well, it's it's interesting. I think there's definitely hot spots that pop up. Even the Great Hammerhead. So where I am in Bimini, the um, all of a sudden the world knows Great Hammerheads in clear water, and they've been on Shark Week, Nat Geo Shark. They're on these TV programs and people are seeing this. And this is only really became it was known for longer. It was kind of like a dive site that wasn't really public knowledge. Um, but you're approaching you know a decade almost of being a, a commercial dive site, a recreational dive site, and so. Yeah, that's only that site that is now, you know, everywhere on everyone's Instagram, the videos, the TV, that site isn't that old. Um, same thing with oceanic white tips in the Bahamas. Um, you have a new area um, and uh, like in a couple areas in the, the Pacific that are tiger shark hotspots now that hadn't been. Um, and it's not that they're, the sharks weren't there before. It's just that our one, I think, our our reach, the ability of our like boats and places and things that we can go to funding, but also 
the outlet for us to share this information and for it to travel around the world. So um, another thing is the deep sea. Um, new species are discovered every single year as our ability to explore the deep sea expands through technology, ROVs, submarines, things like that. And people having the ability to take that equipment to the deep sea and explore. Um, there's all sorts of new species that we have no idea about down there. So um, yeah, it's really, um, it's not necessarily places that are thousands of miles away and we've never, and humans have never been. Sometimes it's, it's right in our backyard. It's just the way we're exploring and the ability to explore it is, is changing as technology is changing. Right. You mentioned the new species. We've had uh, Paul Clerken on from Alien cool. Sharks like nice. two or three times and I've been openly trying to get him to name a shark after me that he finds. He isn't biting yet though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, we've had him on a couple of our Sharks for Kids programs and, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm fascinated by deep sea sharks. I think it's I just yeah. unbelievable and uh, just the adaptations they have. The, I mean, some of them can glow. I mean, it's I, I I talk to kids a lot about that, uh, but I am so fascinated by glowing sharks. It's just yeah. it's it's incredible. So um, yeah, his research is is really amazing. It's like it's like having Pokemon in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, and you see some of them, all these different like yeah. weird and wonderful. Um, yeah, it. Uh, it's it's so cool. So you mentioned the Sharks for Kids, which is a great segue, actually, because you mentioned it. How did you create this and, like, why? Like, it's real cool because I'm on your site and, like, I see that you offer, like, coloring sheets to teachers that they could just download for free. And I, we, I was never privy to this stuff when I was growing up in school. Like, we didn't even learn about sharks, really. Like, I don't want to date myself because there was movies out at the time we learned about, but... I'm not going to do that. But like you, you allow teachers to download stuff. You, you have facts for kids. So like they don't have to, you know, do the research you did in a sense, go to the library, check out books, go to yard sales, pick up other people's <laughs> stuff. Like you allow this openness and it's so nice of you because so many people will want to try to make a buck off it. And you just seem like you're get like you're openly giving it out so kids could learn like for free. It's real cool. And uh, it's real, um, uh, nice of you. That's the best word I can put. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal is I just, in my experience, so it was kind of, um, when you work with sharks, I have friends that are teachers. My mom's a teacher. Hey, can you come talk to my students about sharks? This and that. It's cool to meet a real person that does this. Great. So I realized that. And then they'd be like, do you have any materials or activities? And I was like, I, I don't. Um, and then I started to think, wait a minute, what if I did? And so started to think about that and kind of sat on the idea and I will date myself. Um, I turned 30 and um, my husband, I'd been talking about it for years and everyone around me and I'm like, how cool would it be to have this website? And we could do all this stuff because my science background, my husband's also a marine biologist, my best friend's a marine biologist, and we all have had cameras like my, my husband now films for Shark Week and on BBC and all that. So we have all this cool video. Um, I'm also an underwater photographer, so we have photos, we have videos, we have science experience. Okay, let's pull that in and create this cool opportunity for kids and teachers. It'll be free. And finally, at 30, I went, I'm going to do it. Like, it's time. And spent a year building um, a website because none of us are actually teachers um, mm -hmm. or none of us knew how to run a business. We were not our own. So learned a lot. We were all scientists, and we went, right, we can do this. And so because I just believe that kids – we give them facts at an early age, 
they're excited and they grow up and, and they grow up one making better decisions, mm -hmm. but a five-year-old can do something and they can influence their parents, the adults in their life. Um, and they have a much more powerful voice than they realize. And so how do we empower and inspire kids? Well, let's, we got to give them the facts first. And so, mm -hmm. um, here are free resources for teachers, um, parents now, cause during the pandemic, parents became teachers. So um, we've gotten a lot of great messages from families doing this together, which I love. Uh, yeah, so it's teaching guides, it's activities, crafts, videos. Um, we host virtual lessons, we visit schools in person. Um, and uh, but we've because of the pandemic, we've kind of ramped up our, our virtual presence. And so we do virtual talks all over the world. And, and then when things kind of got back to normal, we'll start like we run science education days. In the Bahamas, we actually take kids out to sea sharks. Um, and then uh, well, the permission slips have to be signed for that, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of paperwork for those. Um, and then we also take students shark tagging. So they participate hands on in research in Florida. So um, yeah, I, I never had anything like this. Uh, right. And the reason we're able to do it for free is we are a nonprofit. So we mm. receive donations, we write grants. Um, and so yeah, we want everyone to have access to this no matter whether you live in idaho or you know the beach in florida no matter what kids need to learn about their natural world and not be afraid of sharks in the ocean so that they they grow up protecting it and understanding it and uh yeah just to make this free and accessible um that's the whole point i would think that that's the most rewarding thing you do i don't want to speak for you but like yeah, you can make your like money doing research and stuff, but like to actually like put that in place, something you wanted to do for a long time and see it excel and move and, you know, people all over the country are emailing you saying it's cool. Like that has to be the most rewarding thing, right? Yeah, um, seeing that, you know, I think it's when kids send a poster back or um, the teacher says they can't stop talking about it or, mm -hmm. you know, parents message and say every night at the dinner table, this is the, the conversation. And now we're, we're using refillable water bottles and less plastic and we're doing all these things. Or um, in the Bahamas, it's through the program we run. We've had a couple of students who have gone out with us and they were afraid. They didn't want to get in the water. Mm -hmm. And we worked with them, they got in the water, and now they're working for the local dive shop, and they're taking people to see sharks. And that to me is like, it's full circle. We have a principal at one of the schools who, you know, normally the science teacher has to fight to try and get a chaperone to go mm -hmm. with them. Um, and now I have like the principal asking if we can take all the teachers out to do this, um, nice. which in a place where, you know, there's a lot of fear around the water. And, and even though, you know, the tourists go to the Bahamas to swim with sharks, the local community doesn't necessarily do the same. So there's a big disconnect. And so seeing the local community get involved is means that, you know, conservation will be long lasting and it will be far more sustainable and, and a greater success. So yeah, seeing the impact and knowing that kids are finding their voice and that they, they feel empowered. Um, absolutely. That to me is um, something I'm so proud of and, and the best part of it. It's, it's, I love swimming with sharks. Don't get me wrong. It's my, that's my favorite thing to do, mm -hmm. but ultimately seeing kids become empowered and the changes that they're making and the action they have, they can take. Um, that is, is incredible. I wish we had you guys when I was in school, all they did was bring some guy in and show us how to brush a big tooth. Yeah. Like that, that's all we had, like some visual learning on how to brush a tooth. And so it really wasn't that exciting at all. No, no. Like in the Bahamas, you said like the locals and so was there any pushback? Were you guys going down there and doing the research at first? 
Um, I mean, I've not been, I've been in the Bahamas for probably just over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, where I am, Bimini has the, the shark lab and they've been there for over 30 years. And I think it's, uh, it depends. I mean, there's a lot of fear around the ocean in general. And so I think these, these facilities and, and, um, research and now film crews going in and scientists. And, and I think it's really, um, it's education has, has been at the forefront of that. And so the local communities are now invested and involved. Um, and so in the Bahamas, because people come swim with sharks, mm-hmm. it generates almost $114 million a year. Wow. So that's, that's a, and I don't care where you're from. That's a lot of money and people understand money. So, so you're really cutting into the people who are trying to get jet ski rides from the tourists, huh? Well, it's, I, I mean, that's the thing is like, so that person that comes, so you run the jet ski store, right? Mm-hmm. Shop. But that person came to swim with sharks, but they're here for a week and they book a jet ski tour, a bone fishing tour. They stay at the hotel, they go to the bar, the straw market. So it's not just the dive shop that benefits the whole community. And in the Bahamas, fisheries and tourism are the the economy. That's what supports the economy. And so, yeah, so you have something. um, So even though, and I think when you realize that something is far more valuable alive, they're also protected. It's illegal to catch and kill sharks in the Bahamas. Um, and so you have this, you know, community sort of support. And as people are realizing and learning more about it, then you see the shift of a sense of pride. And right. the more Bahamians that are working in these industries and, and taking people diving and tourism and seeing sharks and snorkeling and all that, there's a sense of pride because they're part of that. Um, and so, yeah, and, and so you're seeing more and more of the community involved which again is, is how conservation is successful. It's, you know, outsiders can come in and help. I'm not from the Bahamas, but um, we can help. We can, you know, support it. But when the local community is invested and involved, that's when it's successful. And that's what we're seeing more and more uh, in the Bahamas and, in, uh, you know, in other areas around the world as well. But um, my experience is, is in the Bahamas with this long term. And yeah, to see the community really involved uh, is amazing. And it's so, so important. It has to happen for this to be sustainable. No, it's really cool. And it makes sense, the pride thing. Like, if you're from there, you want to be known as like, yeah, we take care of the sharks. This is our thing. So it really is a sense yeah. of pride. You get that with states or a country in general when you, you know, the World Cup or whatever. Oh, USA, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a sense of pride. Um, was there a, a, a class you spoke to virtually, like in any area of the world that you were shocked that they wanted to know this much about sharks? Um, I actually, and this remains one of my favorite lessons, um, there was a small group in Kenya, um, and um, they sent me a video, and it was so incredible, in a very tiny little classroom, one iPad the teacher had, and they sang a song, and they were so excited to learn about sharks. And, you know, these kids do not have much, you know, it was, it was, it was really, it was almost um, it just makes you reflect on how lucky yes. we are and how, you know, um, and so to look and just to see that something like this was so exciting for them. And I got to connect with them a couple times and that remains to me one of the most amazing experiences just to be able to connect with them and to get them excited and in, in a, you know, and that the teacher was willing to, to do all that to give them. And I, and I know this teacher has done a lot of virtual lessons with them and is really sharing the world with them, which is incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it's really, really special um, and getting to spend time with them. So yeah, it's, but 
kids are excited. And it's always really cool to hear the different questions from different areas. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think it, it helps us realize how connected we all are. And the world is actually a pretty small place. Um, and we share a lot in common and, and the ocean, you know, connects all of us no matter where we right. live. So I think and I'll, I'll say just cause you're probably very humble, but like what's cool about when you do things like that, uh, the countries like, like Kenya, like you said, they don't have a lot there. Like you make those kids day. Like that's, what's gotta be so cool. Like you're making their day, like you're changing their, like their outlook on life even. So like, that's real cool. It's got to feel awesome for you. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't, I guess I don't look, I'm just like, I love what I do. So right. it's, it's just as much for me talking about sharks. Like I'll talk to anybody all day about sharks. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I just, I feel, I kind of on my end, I feel lucky that I got right. to do that. And I do hope that, you know, if that inspires one of those students to go, okay, you know, despite where I'm from or challenges I might face that, um, that maybe I can do this too, or maybe I can connect them to somebody from the area that's done that as well. I mean, we have quite a large team of people from all over the world. And um, so I think it's, it's important. Um, you know, we have a lot of our team are, are women as well. And so I think because there aren't necessarily as many women in the field of science in general, for, for young girls to see that women are doing this too, women swim with sharks, women study sharks, women are, um, that to me is also really, really important. So, um, and uh, for, for them to read a real person that's actually doing this. And uh, I think that's, that's really rewarding as well. Right. And we noticed that uh, talking with a lot of the women we had on, like you guys aren't really represented too well in like Shark Week, uh, Shark Fest and stuff. So that's like representations, everything, as we say. So like, what would, what would you do? What would you tell the women like who want to do this growing up? Like, what advice would you have for them? If they're not seeing like, you know, they're watching Nat Geo and just not seeing themselves on there. Well, it's getting better. I mean, I have to say, um, because I've been involved in the TV world and, and, and involved in it in the fact that my husband's filming films for Shark Week every year and all this stuff. And, and so things in certain aspects are getting better. There's a long way to go. Um, it's definitely not where it should be. Um, and there are women all around the world doing amazing work with sharks. Um, and yeah, so hopefully seeing more of them be featured. But I think I would tell people is, you're going to, I was told I couldn't do this. I was told this was for men. I was told to, you know, when am I going to get a real job? When am I going to, I've heard it all. Um, I've been look passed over for things. So you will face that. I wish I could say you won't, but you will. But if you really want to do this, you will find a way and, and stick with it. And don't let people tell you you can't because you're a woman or because you're from a certain area. I'm from a town of 400 people in Maine. Like, um, I didn't grow up with a, you know, my family wasn't super rich, you know, like I didn't have all these extra things that sometimes I think people, you know, uh, you know, think you're supposed to have. And yes, my, it could, yes, it can be harder depending on your, your situation. Absolutely. But I think the thing is, is if, if somebody's telling you no, because of simply because you're a woman, um, that don't listen to that, find a way, find mentors, find support. Um, and you will find those opportunities and you will be able to make it work and stick with that. Um, don't listen to the, the no, because you're going to hear it and it's not going to be fun. It's going to, you know, it'll make you feel bad. It'll, some days are going to be harder than others, but if you want to do this, you can find a way and it will be worth it. There's going to be a bunch of young women going to yard sales all across the country after they see this, just looking for that 50 cent shark book. To yep. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. All it's, right. uh, uh 
Jillian, uh, thank you very much for joining us. But before we go, like, what, what, I want to know what your favorite shark is. I always ask this, just like, what's your favorite one? And what's the most, uh, what's the one shark that there's the most misinformation out there about? Well, my favorite shark is, my favorite animal on the planet is the great hammerhead. Um, you can kind of see what right. side of my, oh, there we go. There we go. Um, just, they're mesmerizing. I'm really lucky. We get to spend a lot of time with them in the winter. They migrate to Bimini and, and, uh, we are able to hang out with them a lot. And uh, so, yeah, just a really remarkable animal, sadly, critically endangered. So learning about them and, and sharing information is, is really important for this species in particular. Um, I think, I think like misinformation, I think bull sharks get a really bad reputation. Um, you know, yes, situations happen. Um, it's a species that tends to be in areas where there are a lot of humans, there's fishing happening and things like that. But um, and by all means, they absolutely deserve your respect at all moments in the water with them, but they're actually really amazing. It's an animal that can swim in fresh water and salt water. I mean, they, they do some really cool stuff. So I think that they're so the, the kind of the negative, um, sort of stereotype about that particular species kind of overrides the, how beautiful it actually is. Um, you know, they're definitely, um, a different animal to dive with for sure. That is something like there are certain sharks, I think easier for people to dive with or new divers and stuff. They're not one of the ones I would say for new divers, but um, I also think there's just, yeah, there's this idea that they're a man eating monster and they're absolutely not. They're actually a really remarkable creature. Awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that with how much like the bull shark and tiger shark, apparently they, they sell as like, don't even go in a water because you'll get eaten a lot. That's kind of how they get sold on yeah. TV. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. All right, where, where can we catch your stuff? Uh, plug your Sharks for Kids um, if you want to just, you know, yeah. your Instagram and stuff. Yeah, sure. So the website is sharksforkids.com and it's the number four. Um, and you can check us on Instagram at Shark Education. Um, all the others, Facebook, Twitter, it's sharks for kids. Um, but Instagram is shark education and I'm on Instagram as Bimini shark girl. So, um, if you like sharky stuff and the occasional pit bull photo, um, and sometimes a baby, there's a baby in there too. Um, you could definitely check that out. 